Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome, OT entrepreneurs, to the OT's Get Paid podcast, season two, episode seven. As you know, this season, we are focusing on sales and marketing. And as I said in the opening episode of the season, I'm here to show you why OT's can be the very best at these important business skills. I have somebody today who's really good at one of those skills, and that is marketing. Why is today important? We all know that before we were business owners, we were clinicians. That's how all of us started out. And then most of us began to make that shift, that all-important move from therapist to CEO. And by the way, I go into this mindset shift from therapist to business owner, to CEO in episode three with Erica Shoup. So if you haven't already listened, start there. The link is in the show notes. What if you're a clinician who is doing clinical work in someone else's house? You're not just in a hospital and then you leave that hospital to go to be a clinic owner, or you're doing home care and you decide to leave that home care position and start your own mobile unit. For example, what if that house is one of the largest facilities in your province or state, and you still want to work there, and you still want to do your own thing. For many of us, we say, well, I've got a pretty good gig here. What if you want more? How do you move from taking your clinical skills inside an organization, stay in that organization, and repackage and sell your skills on the open market? Would you know where to start? Would you know if there was any conflict there? Would you know how to divide your time? How would you do all of that? Today's guest is going to reveal the better way. She's smiling. I can see her through the corner of my eye while I'm reading this. I can't remember when I first heard of today's guest. It feels like I've just always kind of known she was there. This OT has been teaching online courses with the CAOT, which is the Canadian Association for Occupational Therapists, for a long time in my clinical area of specialization, sensory processing disorder. She happens to also work for Holland Bloorview Kids Rehab Hospital. I have a long history here. In fact, it was my first job in 1991 between undergrad and OT school. I literally found out I got into OT school in those halls. And I met Princess Diana. We can talk more about that later, but yep, I met Princess Diana at Holland Bloorview. This guest is also living currently in my hometown of Toronto, Ontario. She has two adorable boys, one adorable dog named Messi, and an adorable husband? I guess. Not appropriate for me to say, maybe. Maybe these are the reasons why I feel like I've always known her. 
and I bet you'll feel that way too. We're going to welcome Moira Pena. Welcome, Moira. Thank you so much, Trish. I'm laughing at your introduction. I love it. Thank you so much. Good. Thank you. I'm glad. I like, I mean, I I enjoy making people laugh anyways, but I think it's like a nice way to kind of loosen up. I'm just, secretly, I kind of hope to hear people laughing and break through the, through the intro. So, Moira, tell us about how you get paid. This is the question we start off every podcast with, meaning tell us about yourself and what you do. Sure. So as you said, I do work at Harlem Derby Kids Rehabilitation Hospital, which is Canada's largest pediatric rehab hospital. And I am there part-time and I wear many hats. So an occupational therapist, of course. I also have a really interesting secondment right now where I get to help senior leadership in trying to develop the strategy for autism for the hospital in terms of where the hospital wants to go, in terms of their capacity building in the system and their intervention programs that we are introducing. And then I also get to do workshops at Column Blue Review for both families and for healthcare professionals. And I am part of the ECHO Ontario Autism Program, where we get to train uh, pediatricians and psychologists and pretty soon teachers as to how to best work with kids and youth on the autism spectrum. So I get to do that for um, three days out of my week. And then the other day or two, I get to work in my own business, Moira Pena Consulting, where I get to work on professional development opportunities for occupational therapists. So you and I in prep for this, we were speaking the other day and I told you that 21-year-old me would have literally died if I had a chance to talk to you like this at 21. Like you were, you know, a goddess in my eyes. And I just love that the years roll on and here we are, you know, all this time later and kind of inhabiting those roles with great comfort. But you were just, I mean, that's just such the place that I fell in love with pediatrics outside of being a camp counselor and a lifeguard for a hundred years and a swim teacher. Yeah. I just, I can put myself in that 21 year old space and just think like, Oh my gosh, Moira Penny just said hi to me. Moira Penny knew my name. (laughs) Oh, this is a treat. Tell me about that moment where you decided that fist on the table moment we talk about that time where you said, you know what, Holland Blue Review is amazing. It literally has one of the best reputations in the world. And I also want to do something else with Moira Pena Consulting. Well, you know, I have been an occupational therapist for a long time. And I I realized, I think that moment was when I had kids, mm. when I actually really realized how important it is what we do as occupational therapists, because, you know, all of a sudden I needed routines. All of a sudden I needed to OT myself to be able (laughs) to manage life with two children. And I I mean, a very supportive husband, but still it it was a shock to my system. And then I, I decided that I needed to speak up that as an OT, we offer so much, but few people know what we do, even my coworkers, because I, I, I work as part of a, a research center, for example. So people still ask me, you know, well, what do you do? Well, what do you mean? I've been here for so long. So I decided to actually that I would take a stance and just really put the word out there as to how needed and important and valued occupational therapy uh, should be, is, and should be. So that was my moment. I love that. And kids were the catalyst for me as well. Mine was a bit different, less kind of hopeful and more like, if I have to fill out another time off slip to go to my kid's parent-teacher interview, (laughs) I'm going to stick a fork in my eyeballs. (laughs) It was a little more negative than you were, (laughs) but a catalyst of children nonetheless. So then what... You have seven steps for us to take that, you know, clinical expertise into the open market. Before we get there, tell me that kind of nucleus of, hey, it's Trish. Now that I've got your attention, I wanted to tell you about something that we are really excited about here at OTs Get Paid. This month, we are kicking off our formal systemic, organized, planned, woohoo, referral program with Every referral 
of somebody that you bring to us that purchases one of our two signature programs, Road to 100K and 100K Club. We give you money. We're leaning into it. We're leaning into our brand and we're going to get you paid. At this point, we are offering $400 for people who refer someone who enrolls in our 100K Club mastermind and $250 for somebody that enrolls in our Road to 100K program. But we're not stopping there. Your referred member will also get access to a bonus Q&A Zoom call every month that we are doing just for new referred members with our coaches. It's going to be Q&A, ask the coach anything. How are you going to do this? The best way to do this is to connect with us via email or through DMs. We're keeping it really simple for right now. And we're saying, hey, here's their deets. Do you want us to call them? Are they going to get in touch with us? And as long as you mention each other, we will connect you and let our system wheels spin and they will get their bonuses and you will get yours. And I want to remind you, we are a company with a mission. It is to bring more wealth to more female OT entrepreneurs because we know what women do with money. They use it to better their families and they use it to better their communities. So for every dollar that we generate here at OTs Get Paid every year, we give away 1% of our gross income to Dress for Success, which is a charity, an organization that's dedicated to empowering women towards financial independence. I hate to use the term win-win-win. Somebody has a better one. Please let me know. But we don't want you to keep those benefits to yourself anymore. We want your referral partner to win. We want you to win. And of course, we have a social agenda here at OTs Get Paid. I think I want to show the world more of what OT does. And while you're literally still walking the halls of Holland Bloorview every day, like give me a breadcrumb of how that started. And then we'll jump into some of those seven strategies. Yeah. So, you know, all OTs working in pediatrics or even in sensory processing, like no matter uh, where in the lifespan you're actually working, you'll actually recognize this. You know, when people ask you, like when a family or, or a client may ask you, well, what do you mean sensory processing? And you sort of think, oh, here we go. And, 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 and you get into this conversation that takes a long time. And even then you don't get through everything that you wanted to get through because sensory processing is not a simple concept to understand. So I felt that really it would be so helpful to have families together in uh, at the same time. I mean, this is pre-COVID and actually have the sensory processing um, didactic on an education session where I could actually talk to many families at the same time. So then when I actually did my one-on-one work, I would spend less time explaining things or teaching things and just really getting into the business of improving occupations or daily life, right? And so what happened with that was that I, I went up to my manager and I said, you know, can I try this? Can I try this at night where I would have these workshops and families would come? And we ended up having, I ended up having like a hundred families each time. And then what happened was that, I would see all of these OTs coming too because it was free. It was free, and, and you know was everyone was welcome. Right? Yeah, yeah, that was from, got it. And then, and then I thought, wow, my goodness. Well, all of these OTs are coming, and I asked them, well, why are you here? And they said, well, we also want to learn about sensory processing. We also want to know how to best support these families or or our clients. And that's when I thought, hey, you know, this is what I need to empower OTs to to feel confident in what we do so that they can actually move forwards with their clients and their families as well. I love that story because so many people ask me, and this season is about marketing and sales, so we'll focus on that. Lots of people come to me in the startup phase and they are wanting to have that perfect offer and there never is a perfect offer. And that's a prime example of you taking steps in the right direction. You know, you couldn't have forecasted, I think I will host, you know, groups for OTs on sensory processing. Like you started with a clinical need, you know, I mean, it was, it's, it's quite a simple and not to undervalue, mm-hmm. but simple can still be valuable. The process of like asking a manager, sending it out to families and then all the scene therapists in the space. 
Then when did you decide to shift from that model into, okay, I've got something and I'm going to start to try to sell it privately? Right. So then I did those for a while. So one of my strategies, I would always say to other therapists would be to try something first, you know, to really, and, and, and again, we do a lot of like data offers, which I think is great. Like try it before you actually build it just to make sure that there is a market for what you need. But then what I decided to do was, you know, this was 2019 and I decided, well, this year I am just going to take risks and and I'm going to say yes to whatever opportunity that comes my way that involves professional development of some kind. So uh, teaching in some kind. And that meant actually emailing CAOT, the Canadian Association of Occupational Therapists, and, you know, which was very scary. And I just, I just said to them, hey, might you be interested in my course? And it, it was no longer a two-hour experience. It was like a 15-hour experience. And, and they said, let's talk. And wow. it, it went from there. You know, I've done, people think like starting the OT Entrepreneur Summit is a ballsy move or podcasting from my bedroom closet is a ballsy move. But I would, I, I don't think I, I don't know if I would do that. I think that sounds scary to me. So I, I applaud you for that. I think that's amazing. So what percentage now, let's talk about the percentage of how you split your time from a CEO with being in Holland Blurview and running Moira Pena Consulting. And then I want to get to those like seven strategies that you've talked about. So what's that percentage split for you? Well, the beauty of my job is that I can take time off if I'm not, if I'm doing like a special project in in my Moira Pena Consulting. So, you know, when I was looking at my schedule for when I started this, which was October of 2019, like I've done 32 events since then. So really... I've been able to do it because I do work part-time at Holland Review and I'm also able to take so time off when, I, like if I want to run a course, for example, I take time off from my um, my job at Holland Review. And, and they, you know, Holland Review has been great to me. I've been there 14 years and they have been very supportive. And that's another thing that I would say to occupational therapists who are thinking of coming up with a new idea is just to make sure that you run it by the organization that you, you're working with and you want to stay with and, um, and just to make sure that they are supportive as well. And because, and, you know, your brand also affects their brand. So I think that's also important. Yeah, I, um, that's how I actually, but I left. I didn't stay in this house, but I went to my bosses and said, hey, I'm going to try this private practice thing. If I really blow it, can I come back? <laughs> like, have I done a good enough job? <laughs> and they were like, sure. <laughs> so again, being really upfront, but I do love that concept about Holland Bloor View marketing you and mm-hmm. you also marketing Holland Bloor View. Like, I just think that is stunningly powerful stuff when you really think about it. When you graduated from OT school way back when, I don't think you would have said, you know, it's an excellent marketing strategy for my future <laughs> career. And yet, knowing you as I do, it's even, it's not hard to discern where Holland Boulevard stops and Moira Pena Consulting begins or the CAOT. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it is, and it's not a bad thing. Like, mm-hmm. I just see you, all three of those organizations being co-branded. And I just think, like, that you can't get better at attraction for marketing. You can't get better at leveraging than that. Okay, so let's move into those strategies. So Moira prepared seven strategies to start really thinking about, okay, I have, in her case, she had a proven product in-house, wanted to stay in-house and wanted to bring it to the open market. So why don't you start taking us through some of those steps that you found to be really helpful so that somebody else can learn and do it for themselves? I'd love to. And again, you know, I am somebody who had never intended to be in the online space, right? So I I started my business thinking, oh, you know, I'd love to meet OTs across the country and 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 do in-person events here and there. It was never my intention to be online until COVID hit. And all of a sudden I was being asked to, hey, can you do an online course? Or, or, you know, even CAOT, we had to go virtual. And so it was almost like a push. I didn't really, they gave me the option to say no, but I said, well, 
yes, like I'd love to still connect with OTs through the pandemic. And now, and it's so interesting, you know, they, um, that I find now that actually I know how to do online courses because I'm always connecting to the OTs when I'm doing them. And now I'm thinking, well, how am I going to go back to the in-person event? Because I actually think that in the online world, what I do works really well in some of the platforms that I use, like Zoom, where I'm always chatting to people as I'm teaching. So I would say the first thing for sure, trial it before you sell it. Make sure that there's a market. Make sure, you know, as OTs, we're all natural born teachers. We are. That's part of our job. Totally like you agree. can you can totally do an online course if you want to do it. Like that's that should not be something that you're hesitant about. We have a lot of knowledge. We have a lot of training. We are, I think, the perfect profession to actually be out there and, and teaching not just occupational therapists, but teaching other healthcare professionals, teaching families and all the rest of it. So it's really just knowing that your idea just has an audience, a response. The one thing I really learned quickly is that just because you build it doesn't mean they'll come, <laughs> which, you know, I, I know T school, like, you know, we're so used to sort of doing everything and, and having it perfect before we actually offer it to the world. And in the online space, I, you know, that really is not the way to go. Like you, you really need to market it and you really need to sell it. And that is so hard for occupational therapists. That really is. And that's why it's so good to have people like you in the space that can actually coach us to, to be better, to, to market our, our great services. And so I think learning to market my courses has been the biggest learning curve and I'm still I still struggle with that for sure so for, for sure make sure that you are letting people know of what you're doing as you are building your course because no one no one's really going to find out otherwise no matter how good the course is so um, before I'm going to interrupt you before we go yeah. to your third point tell me what have been the top three best ways to market your online course what has worked best for you yeah. So it's funny. So I, I do listen to lots of podcasts like yours and Melissa's and, you know, Laura's and, and, you know, you all talk about like an email list and I'm thinking, oh gosh, like, do I really have to have an email? <laughs> Darn it all. <laughs> Darn it. And, you know, cause when I, when I did my website, that was not part of it. I, I actually did not know that that was important for marketing. So Unfortunately, number one would be your email list. Like you do, you do have to have, you know, people who want to opt in to uh, maybe some sort of free offering of some kind. Uh, what, I what I give out is a handout, like a feeding handout. And sometimes I do a webinar on uh, whatever else, but I do a webinar where I invite people to come, of course, free of charge and, and, and just spend time with me. And then I email that list and I don't email often. I have to say, I, I don't, I email when I am feeling inspired mm. and I always email with something that will be of value to mm -hmm. the OTs mm -hmm. that are on my list. So it would be maybe a handout, maybe a podcast episode, maybe uh, something that I'm giving them for sure. So the email list is one. Number two is social media. I am, again, I am on Instagram, but I'm not great at posting regularly. I again post when I want, when I feel inspired. But when I actually did my, my own course in May, I was really surprised to see how many of my Instagram followers actually joined just because That's of my Instagram. Fantastic. It was really interesting. And they would DM me, like they would message me about the course. And they weren't on my email list. So I, I, I thought that was really interesting. Like I, I did not expect that at, at all. So and you, then, like, you hit yeah. the holy grail of selling and marketing through social media. Like that's... that's and I was actually awesome. laughing. Selling the DMs. When, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually laughing when, when I was like telling therapists, you know, yeah, this is the course, you know, tonight is when you have to register by. Like, yeah, I was selling in the DMs. And I couldn't believe it because I actually did not believe that that was true, but it was. Yeah. And then my third one is really around 
trying to put on, like for me, I, I did an autism summit that of course was free to actually attend. Um, and, and the fact that so many people attended that, I think also just because I hosted that event, it gave me a sense of whether it is like authority or just people knew what I do. And so that helped me a lot as well. Wonderful. Great. Thank you. Because I didn't want to let that opportunity go by for you to do, hear, for you to share the ways that are so valuable that you found. Okay. So number three, let's keep going. <laughs> well, I love this one. And, and it is, I mean, I'm talking to the, to the women OTs, but you know, um, it's no one is going to be a prince charming and discover you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, or like if, if you are a guy, like no one's going to be like, you know, a princess and, this, like, and discover you. And I think OTs do a lot of that. Like we, we sort of think someone is going to notice that you're doing a good job and that you have the skills and that they're going to ask you to do or, or to engage in something different. So whether you work for an organization or whether you're on your own, and, I, and I'm not sure where this comes from, but, you know, I think everything that has happened for me has only happened because I made, I took the action mm-hmm. to either tell managers that I wanted to do this and is there a way that I could do it? And, and you know, just putting myself out there, either reaching out to CAOT, you know, so nothing, I can honestly say that. Now I do get asked to do some speaking engagements that I didn't seek out, but I would say that most of what I've done has been out of my own creation and no one has asked me whether I wanted to join or not. I just asked and thankfully the answer has always been, well, why not? And so, so I've done it. So how do you get over that? Because when people join the OTs Get Paid Facebook group, one of the questions that we ask them is, what is their biggest challenge in entrepreneurship right now. And I hear from so many people that say fear. And listen, I mean, I confess to it too in this very podcast, like something about being in your workspace with that job than calling CAOT just made my stomach go rumble, rumble. So how do you get to yes? Because I know there's so many people that want it. So how did you get there? Yeah. And I think that you know, that is so true. There's a few things that I think if you want to do this, you have to just say to yourself, you know, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel awful. And, and, you know, and you and I have texted over the years and and very often before I do a course, I actually get all of these feelings like this is imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. of like, well, who, you know, who do I think I am? Or of course I could never be as good as, you know, you know, X, Y, or Z. And there's mm-hmm. lots of OTs who have a lot more knowledge or who are better speakers than me. I mean, I could really psych myself out if I wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. In this mm-hmm. space. Like that, but what I've learned is that you still, those feelings will come up and to do it anyway, to mm-hmm. just take that committed action that I'm going to do it anyway. And, and I've gotten to the point now because I'm doing a course in a couple of weeks where I expect those feelings to come up. Like I expect to feel uncomfortable and, you know, and, and I recognize that as, wow, okay, you're here again. And that means that I care. And that means that I'm going to give it my all and that's okay. I'm going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, it's never going to feel good. It never will. I've done it 32 times, all (laughs) kinds of different things. It has never felt that I've arrived or, oh yeah, I can do this. Or it's like, it's a constant, you're going to do it. And it's going to be okay. Yeah. So that's a really, that's that's really good. Like the mindset shift. Totally. Yeah. It's like I used to row many years ago and I was fit and young and oh boy, I was something. And I would hit the wall every time, almost every practice, almost every race. And yet there wasn't anything when I was 27 that made me panic that I wasn't actually going to be able to finish the race or that I was actually going to not get through this particular practice or workout. So why does that happen to us in a professional world when we're 
you know, in our case, we're close to the same age. And I find that really interesting, right? Because it, it, yeah. so how many times you've like sat on your Peloton or hosted a dinner party? That's another one. Like anytime somebody comes over, I get that like flutter. And then I think to myself, oh, it'll be fine. You've just got this flutter. It's no big. And just make sure you don't snap at the kids. That's what I always think. We're at the part of the evening before people come where I might snap at my children. So we go through these experiences where the discomfort and the irritation comes up like Sunday nights. My sister's like, I dread Sunday nights. I'm such a grump, but she knows it's going to go away. And yet we don't stop. Yeah, That doesn't prevent us from stopping. But in this case, so many of us do. So I love yeah. if we You can- know what I found? And I, I actually have learned this too. Like as OTs, you know, we, when we're doing therapy, like very often we fail, right? Like we oh, recommend yeah. something and it doesn't work. And we're okay with that. Like I call those productive fails. It actually teaches you as to, okay, well, that wasn't the right hypothesis. Let's try this instead. So we actually see it as helpful. But what I find when you are a personal brand, when it's you, that it's not so much about failing that we worry about. It's about who is going to watch you fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, I, and I think that's something that I had to think about. Okay, no, I don't worry about failing. It's about mm-hmm. who is going to see this show. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, once I got that down and I realized that, you know, the people that I actually worried about couldn't care less about what I'm doing because they're too busy with their own lives. Mm-hmm. That sort of allowed me to let go mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of all of these imagined obstacles that I actually didn't That's have. A good point. And, yeah. I think and it's, it's almost, it, it, perpetuates itself by saying, yes, you put yourself into a space where there are people that you looked up to and people thought that were beyond you. And you realize they just keep saying yes as well. And I find that's very helpful because I think once you start to see everybody as human, then you just realize that everybody's full of grace. Like I actually do believe in the good of people especially the good of OTs. So yeah, I think they're either not thinking about you because they're too busy no. doing their own thing. Or if they do, they're like, oh, Moira, way to go. Good for you. If I had time, I'd offer some help, which I don't, but you know, I'm sending you grace. Do you find that to be true? You know, particularly in the online space, mm-hmm. uh, not so much in the sort of health administration world that I live in okay. right now, but I've know, never in been in online- that world. So that's good to know. In the online space, I found it fascinating just how supportive we all are of, of each other. So, you know, um, Kelly Bynes, your, 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 your best friend, you know, many times I'm like on my Instagram texting her about something or other. And we're in the same niche, really. But we totally support each other. And I, you know, and then even you, like we've met online and, and you've always just been nothing short of supportive. So I really love that sense of abundance that that really lives in this like we all help each other because there's enough work to go around like we don't have to compete it's alive zombie monster invasion the socks that live in my 20 year old son's soccer kit nope it's the ot entrepreneur summit live After hosting two online virtual summits in 2019 and 2020, with over 300 attendees, OT entrepreneurs just like yourself, we are ready to break out from behind these screens and share some hugs and some in-person connection. We listened to our audience of the past two years and we heard OT entrepreneurs don't really want more content. We heard you loud and clear, and we are building the event of your dreams. An event that's based on rest, an event that's based on play, an event that's based on sun. Okay, maybe that was Laura's in my dream. An event that's based on connection and time to work on your business. My co-host Laura Park Figaro and I have created the space, and all you need to do is show up. Put yourself into the room. Put yourself into that space to learn and grow and expand your OT business and as an OT entrepreneur CEO. Want to see which of your online OT business besties has legs? Me too. We will see you in Boca Raton, Florida on November 12th to November 14th, 2021. 
go to the OT Entrepreneurs Summit page linked in our show notes. See you then. So I love that. And, you know, the other thing I would say is, you know, I remember I used to, I used to, before I started this, I used to watch videos of like, you know, some great OTs, like say, I don't know, Virginia Spielman or, or Kim Barthel. Like I used to, and I used to watch Kim and I said, oh gosh, I'll never be able to do this because I, I don't, I'm not calm like her. I can't talk like that. And you know what I mean? are about the total opposites. She's got no Argentinian in her at all. There's no South American in Kim. Yeah. She's like, it's like she reads, like she speaks like she's reading a delicious slow library book. And I'm always like, oh, I know. And I used to feel like, oh, there's no way. If you can't be like that, then you can never be, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a good presenter. But that's not true. Like Mm -hmm. I am my best self presenter self when I'm myself and and being myself means that I am co-regulating you but not by you know it's by alerting you by by keeping you awake while we're doing an online course and actually I think in the online space my personality does jive because you do have to be a little bit too much to to keep people's attention okay good if you have to be a little too much then I am yes space okay good You do, because, you know, we're fighting with like people looking at their phones, people, their kids, and there's so much distraction. So mm-hmm. unless you sort of up the ante, as they say, mm-hmm. people are going to leave. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting. I think being a bit too much might just actually mm-hmm. help us here. Great. But listen, I didn't know I was going to learn that today. I feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going. What else that you, what are part of those seven strategies? Yeah, so I actually, I, I, I told you a couple already. So the idea of really reflecting on who is it that you worry about who might watch you fail. And I think I, I speak for a lot of OTs and I think what we worry about the most is probably our OT colleagues. Like oh, yeah. we worry we worry about what other OTs will say. Like it's Definitely. so silly, right? Like for me, it was like my coworkers at work and, you know, like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think? And and I, I bent myself out of shape and like, like, first of all, you know, they're nothing but supportive. And most of the time, I don't even think it, you know, they don't have time to be thinking of me anyway. So, so that was the revelation, like the OT police thing, I think is real, (laughs) right? um, So that, that was a big one for me. And then the other thing is, and, and you said this at the beginning, like you will never feel ready. Like it is never going to be perfect. I mean, there's so much more that I always want to do with my courses. I'm always evolving them. I'm always improving them. And I don't know if I'll ever get to a point where I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, this is it. Because the research changes, you know, everything changes all the time. So it's almost like you just have to be okay with it being a discovery project and to be okay that it it is not going to feel like you're done. Because I remember that that's, possible at least not for me at least not for me Um, that's a really good point and actually you've put words to something that I feel as well I find it quite freeing to know that there isn't really a finish line and I think when you have that like it's not a test that you're handing in that's going to get handed back and it's not a book that you're finished it's not a chapter that you've written it's not a lecture that you give once. I've been more nervous sometimes standing in front of classes of 90 students when I was teaching than some, honestly, as I'm thinking about it out loud, it's true. There's times my heart has beat way faster and I've put on way nicer clothes to teach in front of 90 students than I have been doing this podcast. And we get thousands of downloads on one episode, right? So I should technically be up in my game right now. Okay, now I'm making myself, psyching myself <laughs> out. But, it, you know, and I think it's because this is an ongoing project. And maybe one day I'll listen to the beginning ones and I'm really looking forward to, you know, being 200 episodes in and being like, oh yeah, I remember when I did that. But I find that freeing. Do you? I do. Like my, my actual next strategy is exactly, is to reflect on your values, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and why is it that you're doing what you're doing? First of all, because it takes time. It takes time and time is valuable, right? And so what's freeing about it is that you get you get to choose how your business is going to go. So for me, 
you know, when I started this, and again, remember that my, my goal was always to sort of for it to be something that I did here and there. And it's now become something that I do a lot of, and I love <laughs> it. I love it. But it, you know, I realized that when this started, it was, it's just easy to be in overwhelm mode or like there's just too much. And so you really do have to have your values around the business. And one of them for me really is slow growth. Like I, I, I am not interested, at least for me, it's not about doubling or tripling my profit. It's more about what's sustainable and still jives with the life that I want to have for myself and for my family. So uh, once I wrote that down, um, it's actually when I'm like, oh, okay, I'm actually going to slow down. I'm going to actually choose when uh, and who I'm going to do events for or what I'm going to do on my own. So that has really helped me to, to really figure out what your values are. And for me, are you know, they, those are OT empowerment for sure. I do think we are the best profession ever. And I, I did not feel like that when I graduated. Or me for neither. Long, or for a long time. I mean, let's be honest. It took me a long time me to get to. Too. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that we are very different than a lot of OTs, maybe the ones graduating now, but, you know, I graduated a long time ago, but, I, you know, mm-hmm. I went back to school and I did my master's, you know, just a few years ago. And, and I tell you, graduating from my master's degree from when I graduated from OT school 20 years mm-hmm. ago, what a difference. Cause now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is the perfect, I mean, how lucky I know. I am I, too. I wonder to if it's because we also graduated office. in obscurity, right? Like, I, I feel that because I left for a while to just raise my kids, I didn't do any teaching or much at all. In fact, there were people around me who didn't even know I was an OT. And then when I entered back in to start teaching again at the University of Alberta and then back into peds and private practice, they people were like, I was ready to explain up OT again. I was ready to give my like 25 minute answer. And people are like, oh, yeah, my niece wants to get into OT. And you're like, what? Like that wasn't happening in the 90s. When I was explaining myself away. Right. So I wonder if that has to do with it. In fact, my kids think I'm really cool now. My children, (laughs) well, maybe on occasion, they think I'm really cool. It was actually the summer and both of them came to me. They're 20 and 17. And both of them came to me and said, do you know so-and-so wants to go into OT school? Like they're peers. Or people that are a few years older that they've looked up to, like my daughter danced with or my son played soccer with or something. And I'm like... Right? And they're like, Mom, that's what you do. I'm like, mm-hmm. I do. Uh-huh. So I wonder if it's like less obscure and that's also why it feels I don't know. I think that I think that's a, a small a part of it, but it is nice to have a bit of recognition yeah. and finally finding your place. And I think that's something that I'm very grateful because I left the profession and then I went into teaching. When I lived in New York City, I worked for like iVillage.com, which was a website. Like I wore really nice shoes, I got to say. And so there's been many times I haven't been directly, directly involved in clinical or impacting OTs directly or clients directly. And I'm just so grateful that it provided me with all of this wiggle room to then mm-hmm. finally land on, you know, the true, true reason that I get up every day and am aligned in OT because I agree it's the best profession and I love that it's coming from two of us who really are being super honest and saying yeah there was a long time I didn't feel as though it weren't for me a long time you know when I even as I was doing school you know I I almost quit a few times and I I tell this story to all the OTs that come to my courses you know I I am certainly I think that my professors at U of T would be the most (laughs) surprised as to (laughs) everything As to everything that I'm doing, that I'm doing now, because I certainly wasn't a, you know, uh, a star student or anything like that. I, you know, it was more, I, I, I constantly questioned it mm-hmm. and I realized now, and you know why, and I, I'm going to be honest here is because for whatever reason, we think that like talking therapies, mm-hmm. like, you know, like CBT or whatever, there's are somehow more well-valued, but really, you know, what I've learned time and time again, that is, it is really in the doing when you can actually gain a confidence in yourself. So mm-hmm. as a client, you know, and when you, and that's 
what OTs do. Like we are in the, you know, the body, the doing and not so much the talking. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, all the way. That's exactly what mental health professionals and occupational therapists uh, should be doing. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm a huge advocate for our profession and I have to say I wasn't always so. So it's, yeah. it's been a journey. Isn't that so fun? I love that. Like, I hope people that are listening to this realize that there's so many gems in what Moira's saying. It's not just the message, but the medium in which she's saying that, you know, here you are in this medium being um, brought forth as an expert and brought forth as a thought leader. And I want people to feel really comfortable in hearing that this expert and thought leader also had huge doubts. I think that's really powerful. Absolutely. And, you know, I know OTs now who have said no to medical school and mm-hmm. went into OT school instead. I mean, mm-hmm. OTs are brilliant and you have to, oh, yeah. um, to, to actually get into OT school now. Know. You know, and again, I joke and, and it's true. I would never have gotten into OT school if I was applying now. I mean, it is an outrageous, difficult program to get into. I have a soapbox about that, which I won't get on right now. I'm not <laughs> sure if you've heard it, which I think it's actually too hard to get into OT school. Uh, from the prof point of view, I'm like, don't give me these robots that fight with me on marks. In fact, okay, I'll tell you one brief story. One of my funnest times, and I don't, uh, I guess I am a little cat and mouse, but I'm not mean. It's just that I, for years, I taught peds labs and assessment labs and the kid, the kids, sorry, the students could not, you can tell how old I am when I call OT students kids. Um, you know, they would freak out when we would do standardized assessments because they'd be like, for example, those in the peds world, we would be scoring, uh, I think it was the Peabody or something, and you can give a zero, one or a two. And people, I'd show video and people would be like, well, that's a one, that's a two, that's a zero. And I'm like, okay. They'd be like, what? Like, what is the right answer? I'm like, it doesn't really 100% matter. Like, they lost their minds because they needed 90s to get in. They'd been in really competitive programs where it was cut and dry. And I'm like, ooh, this is not the best for the profession. So I'll stand off that soapbox unless there's anything you quickly want to add. Because <laughs> no, I don't take I know. over with this. All, all to say that, you know, OTs, the OTs are brilliant. The, the, the students who graduate now, you know, I am in awe me of too. them time and time again. Whenever they do placements with me, I'm just like, wow. Yeah. You know, the, the profession, it cannot be in finer hands than, than, than it is. And I think, you know, our recognition as a profession will only continue to grow. As, it's a very exciting time to be an OT. I agree. I it agree. really is. I agree and wholeheartedly. So, yeah, you know, I we're that. I've never said this, that like, out loud, but I agree. Yeah. I think those are the exact words. And that's why yeah. I love having you on because you've got an old school quality about you working in a hospital manager, yeah. you know, be, having on different hats and then all of a sudden like poof coming in and, you know, really taking something into the online space and putting it out there and doing it so well that you now have a legitimate other income stream. And I'm glad yeah. you talked about those as values because again, I'll keep reiterating it here. You know, OTs get paid is the destination. It's a place that we want to get OT entrepreneurs to. And yet the whys that people want to get paid aren't necessarily to buy, I'll mention shoes again. I mean, go out, you get those nice shoes. I'm not going to stop you. And mostly it's about freedom. It's about that flexibility and that freedom. So in fact, sometimes I'm like, oh, should I change the name and call it OTs Get Freedom? But maybe that'll be in, <laughs> maybe it'll be a rebranding one day. But you know, you did just that. You literally did just that. And I think that's a very powerful message for, for people to hear. So congratulations yeah. on that. Well, and it's freedom to create what you want yeah. without the constraints that come point. for working for somebody else, yeah. right? Like that's, yeah. I mean, I do have all kinds of constraints at, at, at uh, Holland Blue Review, which is mm-hmm. very, you know, interesting to work within those. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. my uh, Moira Peña Consulting allows me to just, you know, dream and, mm-hmm. and go big with mm-hmm. whatever I decide to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I think, you know, and one thing i I've told you when we talked before was that being this accidental entrepreneur has only helped me in doing the the job that I'm doing right now, where I'm actually, you know, working with senior leadership and I'm, I'm actually helping in developing a strategy and developing a way that a whole hospital moves towards autism interventions. I mean, it's because I am so much more willing to speak up and take a risk than I ever was before. And, and that all that I learned 
through being this entrepreneur and, and through, you know, taking action, taking action, even when it's not perfect or when you don't feel it's perfect. So for sure. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, I think that's actually a beautiful place. I want those words to be the, the place that people rest as they're finishing off this podcast. So thank you for this. Tell us, tell the listeners what you've got going on and how people can find you. So I have four more courses for CAOT coming up and, and those are new courses. It's really around taking sensory processing strategies across the lifespan. So this whole world of being um, neurodiversity affirming. And it's, again, so exciting to see what a great role SOTs we can play in that. And then I, I, am, I am now an AOTA authorized, approved provider of professional development. So I'm super excited. That's to, a big deal. Congratulations. It is. It, is. it, it took me, it, it was a very difficult application and Lot, again, lots of moments where I wanted to give up and, and throw that laptop across the room and lots of no's and until you finally get a yes. And there's another, and you know, and I was, I was strong to do it because I've done it before. I've gotten lots of no's until I got a yes, right? And so, so I think that's a message too, like be persistent. Sometimes that's really is what matters at the end. So I got that. So that means that I'm going to be putting on courses in 2022 that will be for hoping to, to connect with my American occupational therapist colleagues. I really look forward to that. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. And where can they find you? I mean, we'll have links to your show notes, links to you in your show in the show notes. But just tell people while they're listening, where is the easiest place to find you? Is it Instagram? Is it your website? Yeah, I like Instagram the best. So mm-hmm. I'm at Moira Pena OT. So Moira Pena underscore OT at Instagram and at and I actually really do like Twitter. So I'm on Twitter and I'm at Moira Pena OT there. I do have a website, moirapena.com, um, where you'll you'll see the courses that I'm teaching uh, next. And uh, and I have also some great events that are going to be happening for occupational therapists coming. And I don't want to talk too much about that, but those will be really exciting events for OTs uh, wow. here in, in Ontario. And, and uh, yeah, no, that's, that I'm, I'm just waiting to hear okay. about, a, about a grant and, and, that, and then I'll actually announce it. Yeah. So that's where you can find me. Okay. Well, when that grant comes, will you pop into the OTs Get Paid Facebook group and tell I, everybody? Oh, I will. It's, okay. it's huge. Like, so it's going to be a big event. Yeah. Yeah. I will let oh, everybody I'm so know about excited. it. Yeah. Listen, as somebody who's hosting an event in a couple of months from when you're listening to this in November 12th to 14th, the OT Entrepreneur Summit. And if you're curious, the sh- link is in the show notes. It's otentrepreneursummit.com. I totally understand the new kick of excitement that comes from hosting an in-person event. Maybe we can talk about that too another day. Like it's just a whole <laughs> other kettle of fish when you've been doing yes. this online. So, oh, I can't yes. wait to hear. You've left with curiosity. <laughs> I like that. Hey, by the way, side note, that's a great marketing strategy. Lead with oh. some curiosity. <laughs> I didn't know that. Thank you. Now you do. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Moira. Thank you. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you had feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time.